What's up, everybody? Welcome to Live Mana Ministries presents Gratitude Unfiltered. We are so blessed to have you guys here today on the Live Mana Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Uh, before we get into the show intro and all of that, uh, I just want to start this off with a prayer and then, of course, welcome you all here. Uh, today we have a surprise guest. Uh, sweetheart, would you like to join us? Today is the very first official guest. appearance. Guest appearance. Guest appearance of my lovely wife, Jessica Hello. Lynn. Um, and we, this is, this broadcast is going to be a double date, um, but <laughs> a virtual double date. We're excited to do this, but Heavenly Father, thank you so much for everyone who's watching today. Father, I ask that specifically today that you, you, you protect this city and you help use this trial uh, for the George Floyd officers as a time for healing for this city, for this community for our nation and even the world. Prince said that the revolution would start, start in Minneapolis, and I, I don't think anyone had this in mind. But if this is the case, Lord, I just ask that your favor be upon the leaders of this community, that they can have a positive influence in all of the people that are out protesting, Lord. And I just ask for no violence. Um, and just, I do ask for justice, and I ask for, uh, for a, a resolution that, is a win-win for everyone involved, if, if that's even possible, Lord. But I know that all things are possible with you. So, Lord, protect the city, protect and heal the hearts of this nation, of this world, and help people see the love that only comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let's get it started. We will see you in a second. Presents Gratitude Unfiltered. I'm Joshua T. Berglund. This is my amazing, supernaturally awesome wife, Jessica Lynn. Uh, we are so so blessed to have you all here. Also, that you guys, that those of you who just watched the commercial uh, for Voices for the Voiceless, we're doing something today that anyone who makes a donation to Live Model Worldwide Foundation's Voices for the Voiceless program. Uh, donation of any amount. Maybe I should have put a price cap on it, but be generous. It's a good program. Don't like send me a dollar, but I guess I did say if anyone that sends a donation will get a shirt. For the children. <laughs> it's, so. for, it's for the children. And we hooked up with a school system in Houston, Texas uh, on Friday, got an amazing email back from one of the program directors. And I'm really, really excited that one of the first groups that we get to work with is looking like it's going to be in Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. um, so really, really excited about that. But this is the T-shirt. Um, but again, you give, make a donation. We will send you a T-shirt. Underneath the screen, you're watching on the Live Mono Worldwide Multimedia Broadcast Network. Underneath the screen, you'll see a little contact form there. Just plug in your information and say, I want a T-shirt. And we'll give you a T-shirt. Um, I'm not endorsing these t-shirts, but I also don't want it in my house. Um, as you know, I listen, this is not a personal thing against anybody, but I don't think that this shirt is going to be bringing much love and peace to any area. I'm not really a fan of this shirt, but if you want this shirt, 
you can make a donation. As like a historical souvenir. Yes. That's why I took them. I didn't know he was giving them away. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not wearing the shirt. <laughs> no. Because I want peace. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, um, it's really funny how God works. Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's amazing. Sometimes it's like, wow, God, wow. Because you never know who's watching or who goes, you know what? I think those two should talk. The very first time we spoke to Vince, who is half of our next guest, we had this amazing conversation. It was one of the world's greatest five-minute conversations of your life. Would you agree? I would agree. <laughs> it, was, I would agree. it was awesome. And then we heard about how he met his wife, and we go, why not have both of you on Gratitude Unfiltered, and we will have a double date. So ladies and gentlemen, it is an honor, a privilege. These guys are best-selling authors just supernatural, world-changing human beings. But as a couple, they inspire. I think they're as a couple, they inspire, inspire me more than anything else that they've done. So it is an absolute blessing to introduce to you Vince and Bethany. Welcome. How are you guys doing? Hello. Hey, guys. It's great to be with you. Well, you guys look like you're happier together than uh, we are. So hold are. on. Hold on. <laughs> it's we always tell people to get close. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I should get close too. I, I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna sit down. I like to stand up when I broadcast, but Aww. so I can be closer to you and not okay. feel like a complete jerk. <laughs> I'm gonna sit down. We're, we're typically really close all the time too. Yeah, we really we never we never have any time apart. But uh, anyway. <laughs> Um, and I don't really actually need it. But that said, Vince, Bethany, what are you guys grateful for most today? Well, we are, as you know, we're, well, you may or may not know, we're in Texas. So we just lived through the worst storm you can ever imagine with no electricity. And so we are incredibly grateful for the, the simple things today, electricity and heat and a working refrigerator and uh it kind of we we joke around a lot because we hiked 120 miles in nepal wow. and uh when we got back from that trip you 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 are great grateful for the things you miss right we sure. came back and we had spent two weeks over um with no toilets you know over the holes well, in we the had ground. a toilet we had a hole in the ground. we had a hole in the ground right so <laughs> we still don't tell anyone this, but we still text each other pictures of amazing toilets and go, yep, that's where I'm at right now. So actually, like in my phone, we have uh, the world's best toilets uh, pictures whenever we travel internationally. <laughs> Did you start an Instagram page for that? You know, oh, but we should. I, I should. That's a great idea. That's Thank you there. I'll give I, you credit. <laughs> It just seems like something that would be popular. I, I you know, it just it amazes me it what does. becomes a a trending topic or what goes viral nowadays. Um, I want to ask you something though. Going back to to Texas and what you guys just went through, would you say that when all of that happened, like what was your first reaction when all the power went out and basically the crap was hitting the fan? No, no pun intended. But. <laughs> <laughs> what would, would you? What was the very first reaction that you guys had when you knew that the next few days, the next few weeks, were not going to be a normal time in Texas? I think, um, well, oddly enough, so we're. I, I think we we look at life differently, and that we don't let things stop us uh, from living our purpose and and what we're focused on, and so. You know, in the middle of losing the power and and no electricity, we had heat in the um, in a gas fireplace. So we're like, let's just make the best of it. So we go out, we um, use our computers, keep working, keep sending encouraging emails, um, keep coaching, and then we would uh, charge them up in our cars and then keep doing the same thing. And you know, it, for us, it's it's a matter of we've lived so much. Not we've not only had so much stuff but we've also had so little we've learned to survive on nothing and so it's really more of a gratitude walk mm -hmm. that allows us to keep focused on our purpose our mission and calling and really to keep focused on others and helping them so what is your mission and calling 
Mine is helping individuals and organizations reach their full potential. I know together, and Bethany really is a maximizer to that for me personally. <laughs> and and our passion, we've been such broken people when it comes to relationships, such mm-hmm. relationship failures that first we call ourselves the relationship non-experts. Um, <laughs> that's a title. But but the other thing is, I, I think. You know, we, we've tasted freedom and how good it can be despite anything that we were worthy of. And, and it's like, man, there's so much good stuff that people can experience, freedom and healthy relationships. That they don't know how to get at. So we believe we can release people from the chains that they put themselves in. So there are emotional cages that they live in and have no idea that there's a better way. And I was one of those women for years that just thought relationships were supposed to be bad and it was supposed to be punishing and you were supposed (laughs) to have no peace, right? (laughs) So together we're trying to diminish what we call um, miserable marriages and, and forever singles that feel like they can never get out of the traps they've set for themselves. I want to ask you something and because you said miserable couples and one of the things that I have heard a lot of couples say that, well, I can't tell my husband everything or I can't tell my wife everything because that's going to make her miserable. Can you speak to how important real honesty is in a relationship? Yeah. So, so one of your quotes recently in Facebook uh, that I appreciated uh, was that 98% truth isn't truth. That's right. It's a hundred percent. And, and what we've found is the secret to deep intimacy is deep vulnerability, which requires a hundred percent truthful living. That's part of it. The other part of it is, and, and we've learned opposites is a lot of what we experience in life and, and do as far as if you want to experience freedom in life, do the opposite of what you feel. What was what was that quote you came up with this morning? So we thought when we were on our morning walk this morning that you get the feelings that you want when you do the opposite of what you feel. Oh, Holy that's good. Wait, say that one more time, but slower. So it just like vibrates down my spinal cord, please. You get the feelings that you want when you do the opposite of what you feel. And we, you can take that one step forward. You get the relationship that you want when you do the opposite of what you feel. And I'll give you an example. I was one of those people that thought there's no way I can tell him everything. I mean, everything is, is a deep and dark pit that no one could accept me and love me that way. Um, but I decided that truth was more important than my own fears and me trying to make it happen in my own might, because you'll hear when you when you hear my story, there's no way I was on a good a good road. And so we would share something with each other that we definitely thought would would send the other person reeling, and the opposite would happen. And and I can even say just on a practical relationship level, whether you're single and dating or you're married. Um, I think oftentimes we will hurt each other's feelings and we'll react in one of two ways, right? So we'll react if we've been programmed to that we don't believe that we're valuable or our voice matters, we'll just pull back and and go into the other room, avoid the person. Or if we believe that we have value, but they really hurt us, we might res- revert to anger attack. And, and attack them. And so what if in those moments you did the opposite of what you would normally, how you would normally react. And what we found is like when, when Oh wait, she, what does that look like? Yeah, so I was gonna say for, for, yeah. For, for when she's hurt my feelings um, and you know, she said something where, you know, it, it, maybe it sounds like she thinks I'm a moron for how I'm doing the finances at the moment or what I'm spending money on. My natural reaction would be to say fine and just walk in the other room and just say, I'm not going to deal with you as opposed to saying, honey, when you said, you know, I don't think that's a good decision you're making financially, I heard you're an idiot, Vince. 
I would like if you could say that in a different way with a different tone. And so by me doing the opposite of what just what I was experiencing, I've given her, I've invited her in into the discussion and which is, which I've invited her into intimacy to, to be closer and to work through this together. And it's ugly, right? I mean, it's the, it's the fact where you might say the reason that really upset me is in my first marriage, someone used to say X, Y, Z, or my mom used to always say to my dad. So it is, it's like this weakness, or he might say the reason it upset me is I've always felt like a failure in that area or something very revealing about your personal self. Which goes back to 100% truth, not 98%. No, no doubt. What about when you guys first started dating and a lot of people, and I, I'll just, I'm going to own it because this was me. Um, I had this dance of, okay, well, I was terrified of everyone leaving me because that was my one of my earliest traumas was my sister's leaving and I thought it was something I did. So I got that worthiness conversation, feeling that I wasn't good enough. Um, didn't think I was worthy of love. And then, but there was, so there were, and then of course I did a lot of bad things. So there was this element of, I'm going to throw some stuff out there as, as to see if they're going to stick around. So it'd be a little mm -hmm. bit of trauma, but then I was really hiding like some of the really bad stuff. I was hiding that, but I'm like, well, if they like me or love me for this part, then they'll accept me, but I'm still hiding this part of me. In knowing that the only way for God to bless a relationship or know that the really the right approach is truth, how challenging was it for you to come to the table with the honesty of your past in this relationship in order for you guys to have a healthy union or a healthy relationship, healthy friendship? And like starting it off right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And it's really challenging, right? We want to control things. So it's, it's our ability to like open up and then realize that it's in God's hands now, whether or not it goes forward, it's not me trying to manipulate the information that he gets to see how he's going to respond. It's me walking in complete faith. In so, the relationship. So let me let me unpack how to do that. How can you live in that level of truth when it's very painful, very scary, uh, as in your case, because I can relate a lot to what you're saying, Joshua. I felt very abandoned in many different ways. And so there's a scriptural principle that that I is has affected my worldview. It's Romans 2 4. Hmm. It's his kindness that leads us to repentance. It's his kindness that causes us to open up and our heart to start to change, which really led us on the path of truth is part of what you need to experience intimacy, complete uh, honesty with yourself, with your creator, with, with the others in your life. But the other side of the equation is love. Mm -hmm. It's learning how to receive the value that God has given me and already sees me as this incredibly valuable person. It's, it's me believing that and living that. And are you guys still there? Yeah, we're here. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. And then, and then the, <laughs> the last thing is, <laughs> just making sure. So, so the last thing is basically is for, you know, it's, it's, do I show her value? Do I make her feel valuable? And the interesting thing is we use the approach. Here's how, where we learned that Joshua. And, and did you guys ever see the movie, how to lose a guy in 10 days? Yeah. All right. So that's exactly what we did. He we, probably didn't. It's a chick flick. Well, it is a chick flick. <laughs> and I'm trying to be better about watching these things. But with that, the idea was she was going to run him off in 10 days and show and prove that you, you just can't have a relationship. No, she was going to prove that there are certain things you could do that would definitely run someone off. And so it became a competition with them. But much like them, with us, the competition was, you know what, I'm going to be so truthful and so honest with who I am. I bet she's going to run off. And so I just did that. And an interesting thing happened. Every time I shared something that I thought for sure there would never be another date again, there was another date. The opposite happened. And, and we found that in revealing, you suddenly have the security, 
right? She's not wondering, I wonder if he's doing something he's not telling me. She knows everything you're doing. She knows your weaknesses, right? She knows where, he would even tell me things like, um, you know, I'm going to lunch with this girl. And um, when we were at lunch, she said some things um, that made me feel uncomfortable. And I probably shouldn't go to lunch with her again. So I knew where the weaknesses were. I knew where the risks were. And so, and if I went to the gym when we were dating and I saw a guy that I thought was good looking, I would share that with him. And he would respond with ways that would say things like, well, am I not giving you enough attention? Like, should we, should we spend some time, more time together? So we could start identifying the way the world comes in and attacks us when we're lonely or our needs are slightly not being met. And we started together realizing we're in a foxhole together and we're peeking up and trying to see the enemy and fight the enemy that's coming at us. Together. I love it when guys flirt with her. I don't know if that's a form of psychosis, but like it gets me kind of ramped up a little bit. And I'm going, that's my woman, dude. Like, not in a jealous way, but it makes me You're like, a blessed oh, man. No yeah. like, not everyone feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, let me ask you something though. When you heard Vince's baggage or like some of his weak spots, did you were you looking at him where you guys got closer and you had the other dates? Did your mind ever go, well, I can fix him? Did you ever do that? No, I didn't go, I can fix him. But you were an anomaly. Or is, how do you I, say it? anomaly? Well, I realized. All no, my, she is a fixer. No, don't, I'm a don't fixer. Get her wrong. Yeah. All my previous <laughs> attempts at trying to fix someone had failed. And so I now entered into this phase of my life realizing that. There are three other marriages. Let's be clear. <laughs> realizing hey i got yeah. three other ones too I, I, I have a couple myself so we're kind of in the same boat here so we either accept them and love them for who god made them to be or i now know or or don't choose to love them because they are who god made them to be and it is not up to me so i had kind of gotten to that point in my life that that i can't change him i can't have him do that. Actually, the biggest thing you can do is allow someone the freedom to make those choices and actually walk by faith and let God talk to his heart and let the Holy Spirit move him. Which is the opposite of what most people want to do. Right. right. I'm given so much, so much rope to be me. And I've never had that. She's let me make mistakes. She's let me not. Well, I mean, I'm not that I'm perfect, but She's allowed things to play out and she's allowed what was true for me or what my mindset went into what truth was for me in the relationship. She allowed for time to heal and God to heal those things to where they became not true anymore. Because I brought a lot of complicated things into the relationship, even though I'd done a lot of the work to heal and still was committed to it. And But I... I what I'm, I'm really, really amazed though, because I look back at last year, this time when we met on Valentine's Day for the first time, looking back at, I am so much different. At least I've grown so much. And I think a lot of it is, has had to do with her just letting me be me and then figuring out that what I thought was me was not really me, but figuring it out for myself, not her telling me yeah. or not her trying to change me. She let God do the work. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we have this amazing bond, amazing friendship. We never are apart ever. And it's never a problem. It, it's you have amazing. What I'm hearing you say is you have incredible intimacy. Um, intimacy not defined by sex. You know, that's just one small sure. part of it. Intimacy defined as, as fully knowing her, her fully knowing you, and you still completely embracing each other. Despite any faults or failures. Yeah. And and to us, that is the most beautiful thing. And that is, and, and Jessica, what, what you did that I love so much is it's that love and that grace that allows truth to flourish and, and creates the safety and the security of it. We call it, it's going back to Garden of Eden, where you can, can be completely naked and vulnerable and still be okay. It's still okay. Yeah. That's yeah. 
I wow. think we we got we met at a weird time too that neither of us was looking for anything. And uh I think that allowed us to really just get to know each other deeper because we nobody was well, I wasn't trying to impress him. And he tried to impress me once and I told him to like slow his roll because I wouldn't talk to him anymore if he didn't. <laughs> And I love that. I love that. I remember telling Vince, yeah. if you're not going to do it after we're married, don't do it now. If you're not, if you don't buy flowers, don't buy me flowers. If you don't cook, don't cook for me. I said, I don't want the dating version. I want the married version. So if you're not going to do it for the next 30 years, don't even show up in that suit. Don't even dress up. <laughs> so we call it dating backwards. We didn't go on any fancy dates. We didn't we get dressed even, up. We weren't even dating. We like, I didn't want to date. And he said he didn't want to date. And we just, it left that room open to mm -hmm. just like be bluntly honest. And if it didn't stick, it didn't stick. And yeah. Yeah. And I was not moving to Minneapolis either. Oh, yeah. I knew he was. <laughs> like, I was going, I'm going back to California. Like, no, I'm not. Minneapolis. No, that's he too was cold. Like in denial very long time. And here I am. There you are. <laughs> and it would been the best decision that I've ever made. I awesome. not just we always tell people to find the one, say they're not the one. Because when you find someone and you're like, oh, that's the one, then you make them what you think they are. Mm -hmm. But when you say that's not the one, then you let the facts weigh in and mm -hmm. figure out if they really line up to your purpose and your passion and those things. But you're not already in that mindset of, oh, they're going to be the one, you know? Yeah. I like that. So I want to ask something because both of you individually are successful. You're both leaders independently. Where I find the most admiration for you is, is as a couple and what you do as a couple. But how describe the balancing act of allowing both of you to lead in your perspective categories. But then when you come together, then you have that kingdom couple dynamic that allows you to thrive as a power couple. Because one of the things that I was so fascinated with having you both on was because of that dynamic. I saw what you have accomplished independently, and it's like freaking wow. But then, as a couple, you guys have a really nice balance in allowing, you know, that, I don't know if you call it order or what, but it's impressive to me. Can you talk about that, please? Yeah, I, I, I'll let Bethany respond on her side, but I, you know, for me, I can say, um, I, I think we maximize each other mm -hmm. in our callings. Mm -hmm. uh, we we do, don't for a moment think that we're not competitive because we both are very competitive, <laughs> especially when it comes to games. But, but with that said, you know what? I, you know, my wealth advisory practice is growing because she's my best business development person. Um, you know, she was my greatest champion when I was working on a very painful book, my first one, Child of the King, which which was about every failure you could possibly imagine. I think you can relate to that, Jeff. Uh, yes, sir. Sure. And and then, but but she was there encouraging me and helping me along the way. When I've had successes, she wasn't jealous, but she cheered me on, and and that's something that I've been just as passionate about doing for her. You know, whether she's speaking, she speaks all around the world, whether she's written seven books and, and just being a really big promoter of her because she's amazing. We do inspire each other. I'd have to say he flew to Minneapolis with me a year ago and sat in the audience at a women's conference. So there's hundreds of women in the audience and this guy. <laughs> and I told the most painful story I've ever told, which is my lifetime of relationship failures. And um, and then at the at the very end of it, I showed his proposal to me on top of Mount Kilimanjaro. And then as the audience is weeping, they looked over and finally figured out who this guy in the audience was. But, um, yeah, he he inspires me. He has stood by my side, gone to events with me. So I think the difference at, at this phase is we support each other. So if there were a conflict and he had to be somewhere and I had to be somewhere, we'd probably turn one of them down so that we could be together at the other person's event. You're so, going to make her cry. No, I'm not. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. Normally it's only when we talk about like children. Stop. Don't Wait, cry all the time. You know what? I, I think it's just, 
<laughs> you know what? I, I love this person. Mm. And I it's not just that I love him, love her emotionally. Mm. I believe in her. Mm. And and um why wouldn't I want to be there? Well, and the opposite happened with that. So you'd think that if we're both <laughs> focused on the other person that our own interests would fail. Yeah. If if I've spent too much time in his wealth management or he spent too much time in mine, that we would fail. And the opposite has happened. Both of them are thriving. Like God is just rewarding us. People are, you know, buying our book and listening to the audible and trying to go on relationship adventures of their own. So God can, God has unlimited resources and wants to bless people. And as you walk in your purpose, he blesses people that do that. Yeah. That's so good. It's so good. I, I do find it um, the same experience for us. I remember when we first started talking as friends, I would kept getting visions and I was seeing her with her husband. And I was like, oh my gosh, what a life you guys are going to have. And I was seeing her gifting and I was like, wow, you're a special human being. And it took, it took a couple of weeks for me to go, wait a second. I want to be the guy in the visions. <laughs> oh, wait, this is it. But I'd been wrong so many times before because, you know, God would show me things. I always meant, I always thought it meant like right this second, right now. You know, I didn't know that they were future things. And so I I learned to go, you know, be more patient and wait for confirmation. But I'm grateful that I did because I, like I was, I saw how great she was and that inspired me the most. I remember when she very first reached out to me her message, like the questions that she asked me when we talked for the first time, I was like, this is not a normal girl at all because she's asking questions that everyone always asks superficial questions. She was asking me real things. I'm like, wow, she's special. So when we got the opportunity to work together, we formed our foundation and now working in the entertainment business together and working on the devil inside me that, you know, this insane project that I cannot believe still that she's doing but I couldn't do it without her. Like we make this perfect team because I'm, I know I'm gifted and I can do what I can do better than anybody, but that doesn't mean it's everything. Like I need that partner to be able to fulfill the mission and God brought me her. Yeah. I had to become the man that God created me to be first before he would bring her in my life. So can each of you speak about one becoming the woman that you were called to be before you would be blessed with the man that you was meant to be for you. We, we call it the inward journey and it is a very painful, lonely road, right? Because in order to be the person that wasn't quick of tongue and bad tempered and blamed him for my mistakes, I had to spend some time in counseling and some time alone, figuring out why did I have that sharp tongue? Why did I blame others? Why wasn't I able to be grateful for my circumstances? And working through kind of that, what made me who I am today? And why, like, if my goal isn't to bring the best me to the world, why isn't it? Like, why is my focus on someone else when I'm not the best me I can be? Why I need to be the best mom I can be and the best grandma I can be and the best person. And why am I not focused on that? And so it was a very long journey. And he did notice when he met me that I spent a lot of time talking about not only my struggles, but what I'd learned from each struggle and how I feel like I had learned better at managing my tongue and not using it as a as a knife and and so you you have to get to that level of honesty with yourself in order to enter into a relationship with someone else because if i did lash out at him he would know that's the old me coming out and and mm. hopefully be able to forgive me when i say i really shouldn't have said that that was just terrible um but no it's definitely and he was going through a similar journey i wasn't in and there's a there's an amazing theme I see between you guys and and the connection and Joshua what you were sharing that helped you arrive at that and what Bethany is sharing and it's one simple word receptivity 
it's coming to a place where I'm not trying to make it happen. I'm not trying to strive, control. Um, you know, when you're doing those things, there's resistance. Um, and you're trying to, you know, with all your might, do it. Versus receptivity is just relaxing and listening and receiving and, and interest, being introspective. And, and so that's when Bethany and I met. So I was a former pastor, screwed up, had an affair. Um, read the book. Child of the <laughs> uh, but, but in that, you know, it took me so many years of so much fear that I had in me to finally be broken of that. And then just to be still and then to start listening. And, and so when I met Bethany, Bethany was like, I know what she was singing. You're a former pastor. You're, you're going to judge me. Or, or you're, you're, she, the thing she would always say is, you're too good for me. I'm like, I had an affair. What are you talking about? And she's like, but you're still too good for me. I was yeah. expecting him to, you shouldn't, you shouldn't have me all the time. And, yeah. Or, you know, like set that glass of wine down. You ain't drinking that. You know, I expected judgment and condemnation. And she, Jesus. well, and she would say, why do you want to be with me? And, and I said, you know what? Out of all my own relationship failures and all the things that I've screwed up in and all the things that I've observed, everyone has baggage. It's just whose baggage do you want to carry? And for me, because she had a receptive heart, and I told her this, because you listen, because you're not focused on your past spouse's failures, you're, you're focused on where did I go wrong and what do I'm learning from? I said, that's the kind of person I want to hook my life to. I want to carry your baggage uh, because you're learning, you're growing. And that, that receptivity, we believe, is one of the key things. If you want to experience great relationships, starting with that inward journey of being receptive, then, then you can get through any difficulty that you're facing. I want to ask you something challenging, um, and I, don't, I, I hope that you will answer it. But because I think it, it, will trans, it, it will your answer, I think, is more not even just about ministry itself, because I think it'll kind of have a ripple effect outside of ministry into any other field. But going back to when you were a minister and you had the affair, do you think, like one of the things that preachers, I think, fall into is the need to feel like they're perfect because even though they say we're all fall short of the glory of God, every preacher I know behind the pulpit is like acting like they are free from everything. And or they don't talk like they struggle in the current time. They act like they've been free and delivered from it, which we all know that's a bunch of bull crap. Mm -hmm. So do you think as a pastor, if you could have been on like as you're preaching, and I'm assuming that you weren't, but on 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 behind the pulpit saying, I am struggling with this right now. This is how the enemy is coming at me and exposing that. Do you think? that the affair would have been prevented from happening? Or do you think you would have strengthened the odds by confessing that? That's a great question. That's a very deep question. One of which I think many pastors and clergy and rabbis and etc. cetera, I, I think struggle with. Um, so do I think that it would make a difference to do that? Yes, to a degree. Mm. But that to me is still 98% truth. It's <laughs> not 100%. So 100% truth is not just being vulnerable at that moment. It's not compartmentalizing and sharing just that moment. It's sharing everything. And so for me, because I was sexually abused as a child, um, even becoming a Christian at 15, going into ministry, I believed in my heart, even when I was in ministry, I didn't catch this, but, it, but in ministry, I was a pastor, I was leading and, and I was broken because in my mind, I was still the dirty little boy that wasn't worthy. And, and because I had been hurt by so many people, I didn't trust exactly. So I, I hated myself and I didn't trust people. And so even if I would have shared one particular struggle, it still would have not gotten down to the root issue, which was that I am lovable. I was was abused. I was a broken little boy, but you know what? I was I'm a handsome little boy. 
God loves me. I am honorable. I'm noble, not because of anything that I've done, but because that's how God has made me in his image, priceless. And so part of it's receiving that part of it's, it's, it's really living in it's, it's deep truth, deep, deep vulnerability. So vulnerable, vulnerable with one struggle would help, but it has to be deeper than that. It has to be, who am I really? What am I struggling with? What's the deeper issue? And I think if we can get to that, especially for people in ministry, um, that's where real freedom and real power can happen. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it takes work, man. I um, <clears throat> I avoided my, ran for my calling. I knew what I was supposed to do, which was shock, jock evangelism. <laughs> but I ran from it because one, I wasn't comfortable with truth. I had no, I didn't have a good relationship with truth, but also I didn't really know what it was either. And I had to commit to trying truth out um, and get to a place. Ben says this cool thing that when we first dated, he said, truth isn't a concept. He said, truth, I believe is God. So you either choose God or you choose a little bit of God. But that really changed my thinking that I'm not deciding to be truthful or not. I'm deciding to follow God or not. God, if he's there, it has to be 100% truth all the time because God is truth. But when your perceptions about yourself are one thing, this is where I'll challenge that. When your perception of truth is one thing, and God's love and God's truth gets to work on you, all of a sudden that what was true is not true anymore. Yeah, like the life that I you th- one may think for themselves, they may think. Like, for instance, I thought for a long time I was bisexual. I'm not bisexual. I may have a lot of different thoughts, but that's not who I am. I, I can go on and on and on and on. Like I used to think that this is how it was going to be for me. So I had to try that out. I had to live in that to allow God to convict that, to show me that that is not for me. But I didn't know that at first. That's why I think that truth does, God's truth doesn't change, but ours can. Yes. Sometimes in our perspective. That is powerful. That's powerful, Joshua, because I actually believed in some area of my heart that what I deserved was abuse. Mm. And I accepted, I had what I would call an abuse accepting mindset where I felt uncomfortable if someone was treating me well. I feel like that, those real nice people, it it kind of grossed me out. Hmm. Mm-hmm. What about now? Well, I mean, that seems like lifetimes ago. Yeah. Like a completely different. Yeah. Yeah, that was a long time ago. Oh, I was just yeah. curious. Mm-hmm. Huh. No, well, I like nice people. Yeah, and I wasn't trying to like argue with you, but I just, from a different perspective, and I appreciate what you're saying because it does make sense and it is true, but there's another part to it. Um, that I think does factor in because as we grow and heal, our view changes. And in my case, like I've learned with the different altars that I have with my personality and whether I can name it all I want, it doesn't really matter. It's part of me and I've accepted it, but I've learned to take each one on its own healing journey. And it's been one of the most powerful things I've been able to experience and the way that I've been able to, even when I switch, and you'll know, like, I know that you guys watched and or le- listened and read The Devil Inside Me. Um, you know, you can hear the switches in, in the audio of my personality, like the different characters switching in me. I can't control it, but I thank God that I'm able to do that because he brought me to a healing point where that won't send me over the edge. Like I'm able to go back there to tell that story finally, mm-hmm. because every time I tried to tell that story in the past, I took it as it was true of me and I started to own it. And then I would take that and run with it. Like I would allow that my past story to trigger me back into a cycle of 
madness, which was sex and drugs and debauchery. And I would never know when I would come back to some level of sanity to be able to go, holy crap, I need to stop that now. But I'm grateful for the Lord's healing power. But again, I wouldn't have been able to, that what is true for me today was not the same truth for, truth for me a year ago. So that's the only reason I brought that up. Yeah, that's well, powerful though. And, that's really and powerful. I think, I the, think that's probably true of other people. No, it is. Yeah. One, one of the things that, that Joshua, I've, when I'm coaching a lot of men, um, one of the hardest things I see it is for men, even men who, who consider themselves Christ followers, is I'm honorable. I'm noble. It's kind of like, no, I'm really not. But, you know, I want to be. But, no, I'm not. And I'm, I'm kind of like, well, but in Jeremiah 61.7, God said he gave a double portion of honor, meaning that person didn't earn it. God gave it. And when we think about the idea of being made in God's image, which when we, it was interesting because we're Christians, but when we were hiking in the Himalayas, um, where Buddhism is very prevalent, For they sure. would always say a word to us that I've heard in yoga of namaste. Yeah. But I always missed what that meant, which actually helped me understand being made in God's image better. And that is when we would walk, they would look at us and they would take their hands and they would bow and they would look into our eyes and say namaste. And it just felt so meaningful until we finally had someone explain it. And it was, I value the light of the creator in you, which is the same light that's in me. I value you. And, and what, and it was palpable. You could feel it. They weren't looking at the fact that you'd been hiking for 10 days and you smelled horrible. They literally, <laughs> they literally, it was like, they were saying you are valuable. You are yeah. honorable, but not because of anything that they had done uh -huh. simply because they were created that way. Yeah. And, and I think the idea of being made in God's image is I've talked to so many men that have screwed up their lives and, and destroyed it in some cases <laughs> that, that were struggling seeing that to, to have them come to the fact that there's nothing you could ever do to earn it or mm. be good enough for it or, you know, it's already in your DNA. It's just about being receptive and receiving it. And that to me, exactly everything that you've said about your own journey, because it was true of my journey too, is how do we move out of this self-destructive cycle into this healing, freedom, powerful cycle of being able to give life? And, and I, think, I think that's a big part of it. So that's what I had to do on the journey of dating Vince. I had to accept that if he was amazing to me, that it was okay, I was worthy of that, that I was a daughter of the Most High King, and that being treated well was not a bad thing. And yeah. it, is a, it is an adjustment. It is a big adjustment after years and years of being, being not treated well and being spoken badly to and called names. And it is because you don't believe it at first. And so I decided to just pretend I felt honorable and pretend I felt lovable until I could feel lovable. Isn't it interesting to, I don't know if you experienced this, but you want respect, you want love, but then you get it and you're like, no, and you just dismiss it. <laughs> and then you're feeling lonely and isolated and you want it back. And then as soon as you get it, you push it back away because uh -huh. you don't feel like you're worthy of it. Yeah. Yep. It's such a strange, like you, people talk about the law of attraction, and I don't really get into the get into it that much or understand it. But it is interesting where we're calling forth things like I want love, I want respect, I'm I'm working hard to get your respect, but then you give it to me, and then I immediately step on its throat and go, no, I don't need this. I think that's manifesting, which is explains why you struggle with that a little bit it's because you have to feel it in inside you so you have to have that like wholeness yeah. with yourself before you can start drawing in all the things well it's been amazing ever since i finally said i'm i quit i and i meant it like i i i stopped that and i started to really recognize that 
I provide a lot of value for people and I'm, and, and I, God has blessed me with an extraordinary gift and I get to use it, but I've been trying to do it for other people, do it for other people, do it for other people. And I forgot to build my own rocket ship first. And the day I decided that I'm building my rocket ship first, and then I'll teach other people how to do it too. It, everything changed it. It was like that decision mentally unlocked an abundance of overflow of, of the Lord's blessings that is just blowing my mind. Like every day, I don't even, I, I mean, I posted some of the victories, but like I have held half of them back because Non-stop. it's multiple times a day, it, God's goodness and God's favor is like flowing through. The minute I decided I was worthy. Mm-hmm. It's been you just start pouring in. It's absolutely insane. It, 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 it's so amazing. Yeah. And it's like, I don't want to just, I don't want to be one of those people that, bra- you know, is ever braggadocious because I know it all goes to God. But even at some point of giving glory to God online, it's going like, really enough already? <laughs> like, I don't want to be that guy and I don't want to rub anything, rub anything in anyone's face. But that decision of, I am worthy is is such a powerful life world-changing event that takes place inside of our own spirit it's 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 amazing but it took work to get there mm-hmm. so i i believe that just like you were saying if, if there are any pastors that are watching us right now or rabbis or whoever that's a leader i think what you just shared is the most important thing of being able to get over the struggles and the lack of transparency and and really these stunted human self-efforts of trying to do church or whatever. I think when what you said, because I can feel your freedom and I can I feel <laughs> and I know the power of that freedom, that man, if everyone could find that, how different would our lives be? Sure. And that's what Bethany and I are so passionate about in relationships for that very thing. Mm-hmm. It's been when God God came to me and it was after a month long meth binge and I'd already given my life to the Lord, but God I came to me. I got mad waiting on God. Everything was falling through. I didn't understand why, which goes back to the 98% of the truth is not the truth statement. But that moment in my life, when God said, you're going to put a spotlight on your shadow world, it's going to suck. <laughs> it's not, uh, but I'm not done with you. But this is what you're going to do. And you're going to show people the supernatural power of truth. And I understood it when he said it to me, what it meant. And I, in in the example, he gave me a vision of Charlie Sheen, of all people. But my story in Charlie Sheen's is not that much different. But the difference was this. Charlie Sheen had all this, has all of this money, but it was all a lie. Like he had secrets. He was having to write $15 million checks to hush people up so they wouldn't spill his dirty laundry or show the picture, the evidence of the debauchery. So God said, do you want to, you want $250 million in the bank and then have to start writing $15 million checks for people's silence? Or do you want to build something that no man can take from you? And I was like, I want that because I'm tired of having things taken from me. That's Built awesome. it on truth. Build it on truth. And you know what? I took it serious. And God, even after being rejected by brands, and and brands where I'm like, I'm probably the greatest product picture of all time. And the reason why is because I obsessed on it as a little kid. And I watch people like Forbes Riley and all the other uh, Jack Delane and all those infomercial guys. Like I watched that and studied them. I didn't watch cartoons. I watched them. I like I'm great at it. And it broke my heart to be rejected and sold. Well, we can't work with you because of what you're talking about. But my faith in the Lord, that the Lord would bring me the right people, proved to be true. And the other part about it is my freedom came from trusting God and having faith that his promises were true, as uncomfortable as it was. You talk about doing the opposite of what you feel. It sucks to talk about having HIV. It sucks to talk about how I cheated and abused people that I loved, how I neglected my children and how I, I, I signed away my right to see my twins when they were little because I was preoccupied with methane amphetamines and sex with hookers, like in living a double life. Like 
I, it sucks to talk about that because it's not exactly the greatest reflection of me, but I was garbage. That person that's dead was garbage. But what Jesus has done for me, and I want to be the walking, living example of what truth will do through you and for you. Because it's the only thing that's healed a nightmare of trauma. It's the only thing that's feel uh, that's healed a lifetime of failure and disappointment and and heartbreak. It was his love, but it started with truth, and there is no healing without truth. Well, and we believe that God uses our relationships, the relationship that we have together, to continually remind us what our relationship with God is like that he is forgiving, that he does know all and love us anyways, that he does see the nobility in us and the ability to be amazing. And he does see our value and love us despite our faults. And so when you can develop a marriage like that, then you suddenly see your creator differently Mm. because you see he sees you and knows you and values you no matter how many times you've screwed up. And that combination gives you peace and an ability to trust in both God and your relationship. I agree with that. And the other part, too, is like not hanging on to our mistakes. I remember hearing Graham Cook um, say, God is not obsessed with sin. And it wasn't like that's your license to go bathe in sin and debauchery. It wasn't that. But quit beating ourselves up. Like we're going to make mistakes in the minute the faster that we can repent from it, the faster that we confess it, the quicker God will use it for good because God will use all of our mistakes for good. I mean, it again, my whole life and my testimony, I've put out there and we are putting out there in the most graphic form possible um, in order to show that you're not too far gone for mm. God to work miracles through you. And, and and use all of those things that the devil tried to use to hurt you and to kill you and destroy you, to use it as revenge on the enemy and ultimately the very thing that delivers us into our full purpose. Not Don't live in your past. Gotta live in the life you wanna live, right? That's right. Yeah. So what would you two, like for, for you guys that you have, again, you're just crushing it, your books, I can't wait to to fully like really be able to appreciate it. Uh, both of the books that you guys sent us, and um, so you have the authors, you have the coaching business, you're making people money. What is the project together you have as a couple moving forward that has you inspired? It's not fully done yet, but you guys have something in mind that you're going to do together. What is that? Can can you share it? Well, we have started uh, what we call immersive summits, which takes a couple to Colorado and or somewhere or singles. And, or singles and really works through time to process through those things that you're stuck on. Mm-hmm. And I think we think the old model of, you know, going to see a counselor a couple times a week, we don't think it's as effective for people that need life transformation. Or even going to a, a great relationship retreat you get some information on a weekend and then you got to figure out how do we make this really work yep when you go home then you got bills to pay and no budget and you go back to the kids screaming at you and so we've really started to see kind of the life the life transformation that happens in these um what we call long-term mentorship assignments and uh and so that's that's really where we're focusing a lot of our attention as as the book as the truth and love journey gets out there and the audible um is how do we move to that next phase of teaching churches all across the nation to coach in their um, small groups to coach the relationships? Because it has to happen with someone who knows you every day, who hears you talking to your dating person or your mate, and is able to go, "Ooh, when you said that, ooh, not really respectful," you know. So, so, I mean, on a practical sense, so that that for us is not just doing a, a four-day summit at our having in Colorado, it's it's doing a lot of pre-work where we're for four weeks, we're meeting with the individuals or the couples and then six months afterwards where it's really, it's mentorship, it's doing life on life, it's mm-hmm. it's experiencing the struggles together 
and, and learning how to work through this. And that's where we've seen the most transformation. And that's really been very rewarding for us. Are you guys doing this all in person or do you do it virtually as well? So the, uh, the summits are in person, but the phone calls leading up and the six months afterwards are all Zoom or okay. FaceTime. Yeah. Just wonder, I mean, it would be a great thing to do virtually and reach more people too. Well, and we can do the summits that way. Um, the reason why we haven't is just we want to get people in a place where we can remove distractions from them for a while. Yeah. And they can really be still and listen. Yeah. The funniest thing that when couples come and join us um, is they're like, well, I thought you were going to talk about our marriage and about how to fix my spouse. I didn't know it was going to be all about me. <laughs> what I need to work on inside of myself. But we don't know where it's going. We really don't. It's it's uh, we're at the beginning of this journey. We're writing the facilitator's guide for churches, and we're just at the beginning. As we you know, as the book launched recently, it all launched in August, and the Audible launched on Valentine's Day. So we're we're at the very start. We don't know where God's taken us. We're we're buckled in for the ride. <laughs> TV's in your future. Yeah. Yep. So I, I would say on the fun side. We're actually about to start working on another book called um, Seven or Seven Days. Um, it, it's going to be more of a romantic um, book where um, I proposed to her on the top of Mount Kilimanjaro. Yeah. And, but 45 minutes into it, we lost a, a really good climbing companion who died at the summit. Uh, five people were evacuated off the mountain out of 10. Only five of us made it. And... Uh, it really is. Um, it's it's a lifetime in seven days. So really is a perspective book, not just gratitude, but perspectives, right? Because your perspectives sure. can swing by the moment unless you have them on the right, you know, on the right horizon. Yep. Dad, come. I could talk to you guys for hours. Um, I'm grateful for your time. I I'd love to have you all back. We should do this again. Um, I mean, there's just so much wisdom with between you two and just, you know, so many different places we can go and directions, but for the sake of time and everyone's hands from taking notes, everyone's sore hands from taking notes, um, we'll, we'll, we'll wind this down. But I am so grateful for both of you. I love the work that you do independently uh, and together. Uh, do the audience a favor, please, and just plug whatever you feel led to plug, whether it's your individual businesses and what you do or you know, how people find you, whatever, whatever you want to do, the floor is yours. Yeah. Well, you can find us on truthandlovejourney.com. And, uh, for, for, for any reason, and we will definitely respond. You can reply to email through that. And, um, you know, whether it be individual coaching summits, um, you want to learn more about our book, uh, the truth and love journey, or, um, Hey, you need some help with uh, growing your finances and, and your wealth. I can help with that too. Awesome. You guys are a blessing. Thank you so much for being here. Thank Appreciate you. Appreciate you guys are beautiful. Love See the you space. Uh, double date. I know. We'll person. We're have her on another show. <laughs> That's right. See you guys. Thank you. Bye. They're awesome. I enjoyed that. I love them. Yeah, that was good stuff. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. As I said, let me pull this over here. I'm used to not used to sitting down. Uh, for your donation, Live on a Worldwide Foundation, we will send you a shirt. We can even make your size. So if this is too big for you, we'll make you one your size. Um, yeah, I don't want to promote that shirt again. I know, but I feel weird promoting. Yeah, that's true. Do you have anything you want to say, babe? Um, that was great. Thanks for having me on as a guest for yeah. the first time. That was fun. Maybe I'll get invited back again. Maybe. All right. Maybe. Fingers crossed. I'm gonna have to give you a step stool though, so you can stand up next to me. <laughs> My, uh, I don't enjoy sitting that much. I know, but, but, but I like sitting I next some, to maybe you. Maybe you could get me some new, real high heels. Maybe we can do that. There we go. <laughs> okay. Listen, God bless you guys. Uh, Gratitude Unfiltered is going to take a little bit of break for this week because we're going to Iowa Ooh, to do a really cool TV event uh, for the space program uh, over the next few days. And really just so pumped, so pumped about the Prince documentary. Um, 
and with everything that's happening right now in Minneapolis, uh, we're going to be getting footage of that and adding it because mm -hmm. George Floyd, the way community center and Prince, uh, Shaka Khan and uh, Spike Moss, like all tie in, they all like the, how their stories and lives intertwine uh, is just amazing. And to think that I was asked to be a producer for this and be a part of the filming so cool. It's so cool. Like mm -hmm. I only, it's only because God moved me to Minneapolis that this is happening. And, um, you know, it's a blessing, but those of you that are, that pray, please pray for Minneapolis. Mm -hmm. Um, I know so far the pr protests have been peaceful, but they're getting a little bit more excited. And sometimes that's not always good. And the city, the city has great people. And whether you've been to Minneapolis or even Minnesota, um, I'm new here. But I will tell you that this is one of the most special places that I've ever lived. I've been fortunate to live in some cool, great cities. But there's the people in Minneapolis are different and uh, really, really special. So please, they don't deserve to have their businesses looted mm -hmm. or destroyed. The city does not need to burn. We need your prayers. So please do that. And uh, God bless you all. Again, thank you for being here. And we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. It's going down, can't slow down All of the universe watching me now yeah. Watching me now good, It's right? in the air everywhere Lightning can strike anytime, anywhere Anytime, anywhere Cause what I'm feeling come over me I don't believe what it's happening to me Baby's breath rose 